Hello, everybody. Dave Neal here, stand-up comic host of Bachelor Nation News. And we've got a lot of Bachelor content for you today on this hump day, January 25th, 2023. Let's jump right into it. It's Bachelor Rush Hour. Okie dokie. Well, the first piece of content I'm going to share with you guys is about the Bachelor ratings. The ratings were down as far as the Nielsen rating system goes, but it, does that really tell the full story? We're going to get into why this doesn't really mean too much, how uh, we may believe the show's doing perfectly fine given um, its uh, other shows that are kind of also struggling in the same time bracket. And with that, what Blake Horstman has to say regarding um, the show not doing well, and not to say he's dancing on the grave of the show, but, uh, you know, I think he's obviously got deserved bitterness as the drama that played out on his season was manufactured against his will. All right, so we're going to get into that, plus Nick Vial ripping Reddit and Caitlin Bristow and what she has to say well, all these characters tie in. Blake Horseman and Nick have a feuding war, and Nick and Kaylin Bristow are past lovers, uh, right? So uh, it all ties together today, folks. Not much about Zach's season in this video, as you know, it's early on, and there's not much to talk about. We'll have some more content maybe tomorrow. But either way, stay tuned, and um, we're very excited to share this with you. And thank you for all the new ratings and reviews we've received. We're inching our way to 500 ratings. We're in the top 20 on Entertainment News. Uh, a boy dreamt that he would start a podcast that you guys would enjoy and you have delivered. So thanks again, and let's get started with our first clip for Bachelor Rush Hour. But I want to get into what Blake had to say. Several different slides here. The first one, someone asked, did you watch last night's episode of The Bachelor? He said, I didn't. Totally forgot it was happening until yesterday morning. It just does not interest me anymore. I wish all the good things for Zach and the girls from this season. It almost feels icky to watch the show anymore, knowing what goes on behind the scenes. I always feel gross. And he should. Of course, he was made out to be a villain on a season where he really didn't do anything villainous, right? Everything, you know, was done in good faith there. And he was, of course, made to be the bad guy. And through speaking out, he's overcome all that and lives his own life. But hey, not a bad choice for him to continue to talk about it on his social media. It drives traffic. So I'm going to share the demographics he shared, which shows the dip in the key segment that people look at for selling advertisements. Does this mean the show's coming to an end? Does this not account for Hulu streams? So much to discuss. So let's get back to Blake. What did he say? He said, thought I would look up how last night did. This is like when you want to see how your ex is doing just to make sure you're doing better than them. You're like, all right, how's it going out there? Of course, Blake is one of the more outspoken people from the community. And he said, clearly not the only one that feels that way. It's crazy how everything else went up. So when you look at the key change in the demographic, his demographic, the demographic of The Bachelor season to debut, got a 0.6 in the ratings from the key 18 to 49 demo. Advertisers want to see our people in the 18 to 49 demo watching because those are the people with the biggest purchasing power that buy things. And the slip was down 34%, which was one of the only shows that it was down. Other shows were up 40 37%. When I look at these numbers and see these big percentages, it just looks volatile to me. And I don't trust these numbers here. Uh, just because like, what's the difference between a 0.4, a 0.5, a 0.3? Like these numbers don't seem like they matter in today's world of streaming, but people are reporting on it and looking at it in a different way, kind of like we do with the news, right? We'll get the same story and get different points of view. TV Fanatics said the numbers for Monday, January 23rd are in, and it was another night of 
of mixed returns. The Bachelor had 2.9 million viewers in a 0.6 rating, down quite a bit versus last season's premiere of 3.5 million. And the ratings for the season premiere of The Bachelor are really a reflection of how fans feel about the previous season. And if the show does well, which I actually think most people have said the show um season premiere was pretty good. People that I've spoken to in chat rooms that I've read, people say, oh, it looks like a pretty good season. Maybe they're going to be over the the needless drama and actually try to find love. If that is the case, my guess is that readings will improve. With her trajectory of broadcast TV, the erosion is no surprise. But the venerable reality series typically bounces back as the season is airing. Yeah, not everyone catches the premiere. You know, Everyone knows you're not going to get that much information out of the premiere. So if you decide to start watching the show in three weeks. You can binge watch a couple episodes. So several things are happening here. We're not accounting for a lot of streaming views. And also we're not accounting for people that will binge watch because it used to be back in the day. If you didn't catch it on the premiere night, you had to either watch the repeat next week or you just never watched it. And now we know, of course, you can catch that uh, later on. And other people have reported with the same numbers and say the ratings, uh, the Bachelor premiere gives a Monday primetime rose to ABC. There were 3 million viewers who tuned in to watch Zach's embark on his journey for love. And of course, these viewers don't account the um, uh, the uh, tons of people that watch through illegal streaming, which still watch advertising in a way. So they should count as impressions. It doesn't count the people that watch the next day and the loyalty that exists within the market. So it's not just the people that are watching, but how loyal that audience is. And as we know, women have a higher purchasing power and the audience for my YouTube channel is about 92% women. So because of that, it's easy to see that, well, maybe it's not just that 3 million people watch, but maybe it's that 90% of them were women who make a lot of the household decisions and purchasing of the household, which might sound sexist and archaic, but that's what the numbers say. I started my career in advertising and worked in marketing. And this is what you study. You want to, you in like, actually, to be quite honest, my channel makes more money per viewer because our audience is primarily women. So YouTube owned by Google, which is the largest advertising company in the world, has also agreed that women are worth more money. The Bachelor premiere gave a Monday primetime rose to ABC as the network earned the highest rating of the night with a score of 0.54 in the key broadcast demo, according to official live plus same date Nielsen data. As viewers tuned in to watch new Bachelor Zach welcome 30 women to the Bachelor Mansion and make his pick for the coveted first impression rose, season 27 premiere courted 3 million total viewers and earned a rating of 6.65, making The Bachelor the second highest rated program of the night. Well, I hate to say it, folks, this show ain't going anywhere. When when you look at shows like Modern Family, where like every cast member was making half a million dollars an episode, when you look at shows like there are so many shows where cast members are making so much money that those shows cost a lot of money to make. We have to remember The Bachelor pays their lead $100,000 for the season and none of the other cast members get paid. The overhead for The Bachelor is so low. It is the easiest thing for the for for ABC to keep on. You know, it's it's when you look at newspapers, you go every single day when I used to work in PR, they go, well, how, how am I going to get my information printed in a newspaper? Easy. Every single day, they're looking for information to fill in their newspaper, and it's archaic, and so is terrestrial TV. Every single day, they need a show on at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. If they've got a show that is an absolute beast, like The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise, that gives them a total of something like 60 episodes a year, that's 120 hours a year where they don't have to worry, is the show going to do okay or not? It's like 
It's like having a pitcher that's not your uh, star pitcher who throws 98 miles an hour. He's your fourth uh, fourth pitcher in the five-man rotation. He throws fastballs, low 90s. He doesn't walk too many batters. That's what The Bachelor is. It's actually reliable. And of course, we know, speaking of reliable, Nielsen facing criticism over accuracy of streaming video ratings. So Nielsen's been dropped by a lot of people as the way to, you know, it used to be Nielsen would literally either have a box in people's house to see what they were watching and then do a poll that way. But Nielsen has kind of been aged out. So the people that actually respond to phone calls to, to respond to what they're watching, it's just so archaic. So no one trusts it anyway. Um, but not everyone loved the episode. Here's uh, maybe both styles on TikTok sharing what they thought of the episode of The Bachelor. Once anyways, The Bachelor stopped taking risks. Oh, let's go back. Hold on one second here. There we go. To take on The Bachelor. I stopped watching halfway through the premiere last night because it was so freaking boring. The Bachelor is essentially what Abercrombie was in the early 2000s before they rebranded themselves into the Abercrombie we all know and love today. If you're unfamiliar with the Abercrombie from the early 2000s, they were racist, fatphobic, and completely inaccessible to the average working class parent who could not afford to pay a premium on children's clothing that their children were going to grow out of in six months anyways. Well, but if we're going to compare them, I'll say the, op the, the thing is with The Bachelor, it's like they're not targeting to teens. Abercrombie was targeting this sexy lifestyle to teens with young models and this and that. So I would argue it's a little different there. These are adults on a dating show. Bachelors stopped taking risks and by taking risks, I mean listening to their audience. There was a real missed opportunity there when Chris Harrison left to cast a female diverse host and instead they cast Jesse Palmer who, no hate to Jesse Palmer, but he is the hosting equivalent of Wonder Bread. And now on now, top- and Now I would say, and I've said this all along, I don't think Jesse Palmer is Wonder Bread. He's six foot two two charismatic former pro athlete, very, very good looking and also has a great sense of humor. He's great on other shows he hosts, including uh, live sports and the that baking show. So I wouldn't call him Wonder Bread. The only thing, the only comparison to Wonder Bread is yes, his skin is white of that they've cast a male lead that's another slice of wonder bread because wonder bread isn't controversial and they don't want to stir up controversy they just want to keep chugging along as they always have been I'm sure that i actually think wonder bread is controversial because i think wonder bread's made buy up with simple carbs and it's not good for you and it doesn't really have any intrinsic value but that's just me wonder bread not a sponsor this model may have worked 20 years ago, but it's not 2003 anymore. It's 2023. Like all businesses, you must adapt with the times or you go out of business. Nobody's making typewriters anymore because we don't need typewriters. We have computers. And The Bachelor is still trying to make a typewriter because they said they were good at it like 500,000 years ago. And apparently they're trying to tell people that we still need typewriters. So here's my uns- Now- I okay. Let's let's finish what she has to say. a piece of advice to the producers that they'll probably never see. Stop making safe choices because those safe choices are actually leading you into an unsafe territory where your show might get canceled. And look, I hope The Bachelor makes a comeback because I did enjoy it for many seasons. But until they realize that casting a white man with an uncontroversial personality does not make for good TV, I will not be watching this season or subsequent seasons. But I can't wait for the next Love Is Blind. Here's right, my unsolicited. So uh, by the way, I wonder if like Love is Blind and other dating shows are like uh, astroturfing these types of opinions. Uh, my thought here is how can you say you love The Bachelor for many seasons when those seasons all had white people anyway? And I am not here defending a primarily white cast. I'm not. I'm just saying, I don't know. I don't know what goes into the producer's decisions for The Bachelor. I thought Rodney would have been a fantastic choice. We all love Rodney. Clearly everyone on the beach loved Rodney. Maybe one day they will get Rodney. And, but I do, I do respect people calling the show out. That's the way we find change. Uh, but anyway,
anyway, that's just a differencing of opinion. You guys know that we like to share different opinions on our channel. A lot of people feel this way and are outspoken about the show. Um, I wonder how the show would do. I mean, not to, you know, obviously they botched Matt James' season, so ratings for that season shouldn't even count because they didn't handle it well. But, you know, comparing how Tasha did to Jesse Palmer, Jesse Palmer's a seasoned host, so Tasha wasn't it. Not to say she was bad, but Caitlin, Caitlin and Tasha were good, but they were kind of like, they, they were never given the, the full hosting job. Um, Maybe there should be a show called Finding the Host of The Bachelor, and there can be a whole tryout, and we can see all the different people reading from prompters. Wouldn't that be fun? I would literally watch that show if they've just got, like, all, like, Nick Vile competing against Jesse Palmer, competing against Tasha, and it's, like, a live, or not live, but it's, like, a show where, like, they go over, reading from the teleprompter, quick, the teleprompter cut out, you have to go to your notes, and they just, like, throw these curveballs, they throw, like, a glass of champagne on them as they're trying to do an interview. That would be fun, right? But I'll leave it to me to find some good content for them to make all right we'll call it host wars and speaking of hosts the host of last year's bachelorette for katie thurston and michelle young season is caitlin bristow and here's a nice little video about her and the work she's doing uh to recover from all of the trauma of childhood so caitlin goes off the grid and uh, people ask jason is caitlin bristow more than so when you were gone since she's off the grid he says 100 percent. so here's what jason said then i'm going to share caitlin's interview where she explains where she is why she's doing what she's doing and another example as to why i am probably her number one fan so are you able to talk to caitlin while she's gone proud of her for going jason said this i am so dang proud of her seven days straight of going off the grid away from friends family and work with the sole purpose of intensive work for personal growth is just amazing she honestly never ceases to amaze me. To answer the first question, no, she's completely off the grid for seven days. And then when asked uh, if he misses her, she said he said 100%. So here's what Caitlin had to say in her recent interview on her podcast, Off the Vine. As people out there are listening who are parents, how do we go raise our children not making these same mistakes? The thing we have to remember when we become parents, if we're interested in that, is that like, actually your job as parents is to not protect them from this. Because wow. they're going to experience this either way. You can love your child so damn much, and they're going to experience this. My parents weren't sitting there telling me anything bad about my body. I saw a photo, right. and I made that because I had heard other things, right? So you can do the best damn parenting in the whole world, and your yeah. child will experience wounds because that's life. So Caitlin, of course, talks about in this interview she just did with Quitters Podcast, she discusses like, look, I didn't have a horrible childhood. Why do I feel the way I do? And here's my thoughts directly to you guys, the audience. I think most people... Yeah, I don't want to get in some trauma game. Who had it worse? I think most people experience a heavy burden and some people just sweep it under the rug. And Caitlin might be in a position financially where she can afford to look within and wonder why she feels the way she does. Some people um, have this you know, burden from their childhood from growing up poor. Some have it. Now, hold on, folks. You might not believe this from growing up wealthy. Some have it from not having a dad like myself. I think I crave attention from a single mom who had to work nonstop. And then some people had a dad who maybe was too aggressive in how they wanted them to pursue certain sports. So we're all fighting some form of reaction to parents trying the best they could, but really not having all the tools in the toolbox. Here's what Caitlin had to say regarding her trauma and where she's going. And then afterwards, I'm gonna play you a clip of the place right here where she headed to. 
and that's where she is right now. Not so you can stalk her, but just so you can get an idea of the type of work that she's doing, and then she gets to share that that inspiration with her platform. This is the this is the way the internet needs to be working. Have a listen. All was me becoming a shell of myself, and he knew I had things going for myself and that I could do something and he knew doing something would actually fulfill me rather than just following him. So I think it was guilt. I don't Mm. know if he was necessarily shaming me. I think he felt guilty for me having to live this life that clearly made me miserable. And this was when Caitlin was dating a professional hockey player. So given the chance to blame the hockey player, she says, no, 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 no. I was the one following him. He felt guilty that he was living his dream and I wasn't. Kaylin, you end up in therapy, you end up on medication. I'm a huge advocate of of all of the above. Any kind of help that you can get mentally, it's so important. And I am very woo-woo about all of this right now. And I believe that when <laughs> someone's tantruming like that and has lost themselves, it's really a younger version of you that's taken the wheel. It's some five or six-year-old part of you that has literally just like kicked the sensible Caitlin to the back of the bus and is just driving down the wrong side of the highway at 100 miles an hour. That seems to resonate with you. How did you, had you quit her? What was the process of making sure that you were, you got back to the front of the bus? Well, when I decided like I can only stay on this couch for so long until I'm like even more of a shell of myself. Like there was, there was either go, I don't even know how you go more rock bottom than that or pick yourself up and start Mm -hmm. going again. So I started working at a restaurant again. I had to like start as, which I'd worked my way up in a restaurant before. And like, I was really not enjoying that time. And I don't have, I didn't have any education except for high school. I thought I was going to be a dancer like my mom was, a ballerina. And I chose to go after a dancing career, quit that for the hockey player. So I was like, Mm. I have no education, no job, no money, like nothing. And so I started as a hostess again at the restaurant and moved my way up. And as I did that, I kind of had to put my ego aside of being like, okay, you have to start over as a hostess. Like, who cares? You're going to make new friends. I made new friends. I got an apartment. I started over. I built myself back up. And I did tons of therapy, tons and tons. And that's why I say when I went to go on The Bachelor, I had just done three years of like, I mean twice a week therapy of learning where those patterns came from. And it's almost like she was destined for greatness. But while she was on the couch, you know, not doing anything, she wasn't feeding the soul what it needed to fly. That's what it fa- feels like to me. I got to tell you, I know I know I'm barking up the same tree every single day here, but I am just I am just so uh, astonished by Caitlin Bristow's story of resilience and where she's come from and how she's picked herself up and continues to do that work. That I didn't actually learn coping skills as a child and working through that. And then coming out of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, I was like, I got to continue this journey. And I'm actually going, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Hoffman Institute in California. No, but it is. We'll check it out in a second. Oh my gosh. It is a week of actually diving into your inner child. And I'll tell you what, let's just go to see what they have to say. And by the way, if you haven't checked out my first video of the day, I actually had a sponsor in this video. I'm not going to play it for you right here, but I just want to let you guys know if you haven't watched that video, go check it out, support it. It really helps me and it helps the channel and it helps me make more content for you when we continue to get sponsors like this. So we all get to win from that. But anyway, let's see what the Hoffman Institute is. Um, I've never heard of it before uh but it's a close i mean geez look at that tuition 
$5,350 for the week. Your tuition includes lodging, meals, snacks, more than 90. I would just be eating snacks the whole time. Like, I love it. I'm off the grid. I'm eating cookies. Uh, your tuition. Uh, yeah, I've been sugar-free. By the way, lost 13 pounds in January so far, just not eating sugar. Can you believe that? My, my mind feels amazing. It feels like I've got extra processors in there. More than 90 hours of professional instruction and guidance, individualized attention, all program materials, including post-process manual and recordings, and a post-process call with your teacher. So it kind of feels like we have to spend an exorbitant amount of money to detach from the things that provide us so much toxicity. Now, a phone is a tool. Social media is a tool. It can be used to help your career and help your life, and it also can be used to um, uh, see how others are having success. And it, depending on how you look at it, it, you know, we need to make sure we, you know, there needs to be courses in high school and college and middle school and elementary school that teach us how to cope with these tools that were designed to sap our attention and, and give us these dopamine crashes. And anyway, the Hoffman process, the Hoffman, and again, this isn't a sponsor, never heard of it before. The Hoffman quadrinity process, wow, founded by Bob Hoffman in 1967, is a week-long cult, no, I'm kidding, residential and personal growth retreat that helps participants identify negative behaviors, moods, and ways of thinking that developed unconsciously and were conditioned in childhood. The process will help you become conscious of and disconnected from negative patterns of thought and behavior on emotional, intellectual, and physical levels in order to make significant positive changes in your life on a spiritual level. And I know some people go, geez, I don't have these problems. My general thought is, is that you don't get to, you don't get to address these problems. Look at like a video game. You don't get to address your inner child problems and all these other issues you have until you're out of the deep end. Do you know what I mean? So, so many people are just scraping by. We're in the deep end. Uh, we're, we're just trying to tread water and survive life. We're living off, you know, the majority of our country has less than $400 in savings. It's just a travesty. And yet we aren't able to work on ourselves. Therapy is expensive. Who's got time to sit there and meditate when you're just trying to put food on your kids' plates? I totally can understand this. I mean, I take my, my wonderful and loving mother as an example, where in the sort of back half of her life, she's been able to have um, coaches and meditation sessions and community that help her overcome all of the things she had no time to process as a young single mom. And that's a beautiful thing, you know, but the sooner we can get the attention our our self needs to deburden to relief to release that. I mean, I'm not I'm not here to say that like obviously there's a lot of physical things we put into our body that can cause cancers. It can be genetic, but there's so much that we hold in as blockages in our body that when we release, we are so much healthier for it. And it, it's it's so important to ourselves, to our children, to our friends and family, to our lovers that we keep feeding the healthy. Uh, fire that's within so that we don't pass down more trauma unnecessarily. Let's see what this uh, video says here. I haven't watched it. I don't know if it's any good. I knew I had some unfinished business. Yeah. It was exactly what I needed. Feels like a cult. Step in my life. Probably not a cult. I feel an ethical responsibility to tell people about Hoffman. All right. So anyway, that's what Caitlin's doing. So this was before she went. So I'm sure we'll get more information about and it. And doing really deep, intensive therapy with no phone, no TV, no computer, no work, just a week of, and I did eight to 10 hours of uh, paperwork essentially online. It sounds like the opposite of Bachelor in Paradise. Fine. <laughs> like Bachelor in Paradise, no phones, but all drama. Uh, about my childhood, about my, even though I, I can look back and say I had a wonderful childhood. I actually don't think it could have been better. I have two parents who were just incredible still to this day. 
And but when you dive deep, you it doesn't matter if you have big T trauma or small T trauma. Um, mm. Everything affects who you are as an adult from your childhood. And so I'm actually doing this retreat in January, at the end of January, because I'm still learning so much about myself and how, you know, I talk therapy, I encourage it all the time. And my therapist always says to me, because I had the exact same kind of life story as far as going, my parents loved me. They protected me. I had a very privileged childhood. Why the hell am I fucked up? That's not. I, there's no finger to blame in that way. And she said to me, the greatest thing anyone's ever said is death by a thousand paper cuts is still death. And of course, that was Julie Bowen. Is that her name, Julie Bowen? I played the mom in Modern Family, giving us some nice motherly advice there on the podcast, Quitters. All right, well, our final clip of the day, it's Nick Vile and Amanda Stanton and what they had to say about Reddit. So I'm going to play for you all what Nick said about Reddit uh, here. But first, I'm going to share what Amanda Stanton said about Reddit. She, of course, was on Bachelor in Paradise and Bachelor and had a very successful influencer career following it with her children. And she's done very well for herself, but she's been, you know, problematic or words people would use in certain ways based on her opinion on things. She sort of had to learn it as she goes. But uh, who doesn't, right? Uh, we just don't all do it in the spotlight. So someone asked in the Q&A, have you ever read posts about yourself on Reddit? I have, but haven't in at least three years. The stuff I used to read about myself was all mean, negative, and 90% false. So I decided one day to never look again because what a bunch of people think or make up about me that don't even know me is none of my business. It does upset me, though, thinking that the kids might come across these forums one day. I feel like gossiping, bullying on a public forum to that extent should be illegal, to be honest. Now, bullying should definitely not be tolerated, um, but you know, making something illegal probably violates you know, our right to freedom of speech. Uh, but it doesn't mean I, I don't think that platforms can do a better job of preventing it. Uh, the thing that makes Reddit successful is its comment structure. So if you post something on Reddit, it can be either upvoted or downvoted. Upvote is like, all right, more of this. Downvote is like, boo. And that's a good structure for getting popular content out there. Where it becomes problematic is that it's pretty much based entirely on anonymous usernames. I, myself always had my name, Dave Neal, as my username on Reddit. I still do to an extent. I just don't use that account anymore because what I found out was, was happening is I had what I felt like was the honor to share my opinion publicly on that platform. And what I found was people were using it to say, what does Dave Neal think about this? And they were expecting me to respond to their, these random people, to their comments, accusations, criticisms, like, like on their time. So I was like, you know what? From now on, I'll be anonymous like everybody else, even though I did it with good intention. I am here. This is my name. I am not anonymous here. And this is my opinion, right? So here's what Nick had to say regarding the Reddit. And then I'll discuss after what some other people have to say regarding the community. Yeah. Pretty exciting. Yeah, Are you guys doing anything exciting for the premiere? Yeah. So the night before... We this is Ariana from uh, Vanderpump Rules. That we're doing. Um, and then the night of, I don't know, I'll probably just be like holed up in my living room with some wine reading what people say about me <laughs> do you do Which, that? by the way sounds super narcissistic but if you've you don't know what it's like until there's a comment thread with your name on it curiosity is a devil folks Still? i do actually why <laughs> i'm a masochist i guess are uh, you just twitter or do you go are you really evil to yourself and you go full reddit oh sometimes i go full reddit yeah oh, really yeah no i i there's something um it's like an itch you know what I mean? Mm. And you're like, don't do it. Don't yeah. scratch it. 
but you like can't, I can't as help a, it. As someone who's always liked to pick scabs as a child, I, I <laughs> do you understand? I, I understand the, yeah. the analogy, but <laughs> I've become a non uh, scab picker in my reality TV. Teach days. me your ways. I, I need to go down the non the non picking route. We, yeah, I, I could. We, we could. I could give <laughs> so you a Nick, whole. Nick calls reading comments from strangers on Reddit picking a scab. I don't disagree. <laughs> Reason why I will spare the audience. Okay, but yeah. It's, yeah. What is it going to do for you? True. Yeah. I don't know. Nothing. By the way, Nick, we got to get rid of these cords. Pull this cord back. They don't know who you are. They don't. They're not rooting for your success. Oh, usually no. Most people of the time, on Reddit, no. Don't like. Like a lot of TV, reality TV people watch it for to feel better. About, that's like old school reality TV is to right. feel better. To think about like, themselves. oh, I'm better than that person that's on the TV. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like the people on Reddit are highly, highly educated mm-hmm. for the most part. And here's yeah. where I disagree with a generalization. I think there are very educated people on Reddit. I also think there's a lot of young or naive people on Reddit. There's a lot of people that are just killing time on Reddit. There's people of all types on Reddit, and we get these groups of you know with in specific they're talking about the bachelor subreddit but other subreddits have been created for people that have different ideologies than what is generally pushed in the bachelor subreddit so people you know exist across all different platforms the only thing they all have in common is they're willing to post content for free within that community as a form of entertainment because you get to post things and read things it's a chat board they've been around since the beginning of the internet yeah they might be lawyers or they you know successful business people mm-hmm. and and especially people who have been on for a long time i think yeah i think it drives them nuts to see any amount of sustained success in that space it just drives them nuts and of course by it drives them nuts the people that feel the urge to comment we know about 10 percent of oh what was that sound about 10 percent of comment of uh, people that are on reddit actually have an account and about 10 percent of those actually comment so there aren't that many people commenting no there's still a good number a very popular post on reddit might have 700 comments but out of those how many people are responding back and forth are there 100 or 200 people that comment most of the time it's hard to say so whenever we think we see an issue whether it be on reddit or twitter we have to understand that most people most people have never commented before in their life i know on youtube most people have never commented before but some people do and they feel they feel like they can add to the conversation share their opinion and i think that side of things is healthy where it's not healthy is that they can offer an opinion without any sort of um, look at to who they are. So if I'm Joe Schmo on Reddit and I don't like that Nick um, uh, said something sexist someday, I could just be against him and you got to, you Nick's this, he's that. Whereas Joe Schmo might have done the same exact thing. We just can't examine him. There's no, so I guess my point is that on Reddit, there's no cross examining because I think if there were, we'd understand we all have done or said something problematic. We all have come from limiting beliefs. We all have come from classrooms that didn't teach a different side of history. We all come from words that were said that were hurtful, but we weren't exposed to the maybe victim that would have felt that, you know? And when you say that, there's no reason to say that 
oh, we all were there because you sound like an apologist. And then people start to attack you. As we saw yesterday with Greer, the first impression winner of The Bachelor, she didn't dress in blackface, but she defended a friend who did. She said, oh, that person wasn't posted. They weren't dressing anything hurtful. And look, I understand it's a bad take to have. But at the same time, how far down the totem pole are we willing to judge others when anonymously we are our hands are wiped clean of being judged ourselves? You know, and that's what makes it hard. I've, I, for one, have said this about Twitter. I think there should be two types of Twitter. There should be people willing to put, you know, to have their license or passport verified. It doesn't mean it has to be public, but just be verified that I am Dave Neal. This is who I am. I'm a real human versus someone who's just there to cause chaos and burn things down, which exists. And it's not on one side versus the other. So when we talk about cancel culture or the idea that people will kind of group together in a community to hurt the other side, it's not a the left does this versus the right does this it exists as a tool that's happening everywhere we know there are plenty of people of conservative mind that canceled Colin Kaepernick or at least tried to they came after Colin Kaepernick and on the other side there was a hand there was a, a group of on the liberal side that was going to cancel Nike if they didn't support Colin Kaepernick you know what I mean so cancel culture is not one side versus the other it exists now there is a certain thing known as accountability. If you are a, if you are Paramount Pictures uh, and you have employed Harvey Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein, and all this information comes out about him, and you want to never work with him again, that is fair. That is your choice to do. Uh, there is, but then again, there are plenty of circumstances that would be deemed less less harmful than that. And we need to exist on a sliding scale of how bad someone's actions were. Do they have the ability and the time and the wherewithal to overcome that? And if they do, will the society be better for it? With someone like Chris Harrison, uh, when he was fired, did anything good come from it? I don't know. You tell me. Has the show changed at all? I personally don't think so. We've talked about The Bachelor being psychopathic along with all other corporations. They only want to do what's good for their bottom dollar, which means it can be good to boycott. We see what's happening in France. All these uh, all these protests and boycotts are happening because uh, they wanted to change the age of retirement. And the, the French people are very good at voicing their opinions. And sometimes you got to burn shit down metaphorically and physically to create change in life and other times you need to leave room for growth within a system uh like could could it have been better if chris harrison apologized and did some some uh had some tough and meaningful and productive conversations um on the bachelor could that have been better long term for the show possibly but the show decided the best thing to do was to cut ties and um and uh, put out the fire that existed yeah so, there's also I that thing of like if you say oh, I'm doing well or whatever, which, you know, a lot of times I'm not. But if you say you are doing well, they're like, there's no way that can actually be true. Yeah, no, she no. must she must hate her life yeah. <laughs> yeah. and possibly. No, yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, but it's just one big projection on, on Reddit. I think just in general, yeah. All right, one big projection on Reddit, he says. And what I'm about to say uh, might shock some people and what I'm about to say might be controversial. I'm not too sure. But Reddit moderators amongst different subreddits, but specifically The Bachelor, have multiple accounts. 
Some of them have alternative accounts. How many is that? Is it three or a dozen? I'm not sure. And what's the point of having multiple accounts? Well, if someone wanted to steer a conversation a certain direction, let's, and I'm just going to use numbers that I don't have the verification to back it up, but let's just say there are 10 moderators that can control who posts, they can take posts down, they can steer conversations, what's approved and what's not approved. And they, these are unpaid positions. It's a private community that exists within the subreddit. T say there's 10 people that each have 10 alternate accounts. It's probably not that high, but who knows? It could be 40. I don't know. Uh, that's 100 accounts. I say that in quotes that could upvote or downvote opinions and curate a direction they want a conversation to go. In some words, in some worlds, we call that astroturfing. Astroturfing is essentially fake grassroots movements. It's a, it's organized activity made to stimulate grassroots support for a movement cause idea or product. Now I'm not accusing anyone of doing anything mischievous. I'm just saying this exists out there. We've seen troll farms, which is people that have harvested all these different names. There's a hundred different cell phones that are up there and they're tweeting misinformation. If you have a hashtag uh, Trump 2020 uh, on Twitter, then you're going to get all these different comments. And I know this, whenever we talk about certain political things, we'll get people that'll comment that I've never heard of before. And I'm like, is this even a real person? Now, I don't think the Bachelor uh, moderators have that sort of sinister motivation, but I do believe that thinking in any group that you are on the right side of an argument can lead to... Um, a manipulation uh, of the direction of the conversation. So because of that, and as someone with a long history of what I believe to be a very uh, worthwhile progressive causes, I think it's dangerous when we look at contestants and what they did or said six years ago in a way to cancel them. Shame can be done in a way where we can talk about it. We do it on our channel without trying to, I don't know, post native things, DM them, uh, a public flogging of sorts. That's never, never, never my intention. So there's an account and it's an account that I don't follow. I actually think they've got a relatively negative um, a viewpoint. It, it comes off very sinister to me, but it's uh, called bachelor underscore um, uh, accountability. Now this account, again, I'm not promoting it. I'm just saying it exists, is there to hold woke bullies, grifters, and clout chasers accountable. Now we make videos all day long about PPP loans and people that take money from, you know, problematic, uh, you know, foreign companies, uh, Shein clothing line, you know, fast fashion, things like that. So we talk about it all, all, all the time, but I don't like to, to engage in the the debate over cultural like wokeism's bad, cancel culture's bad. Whenever we say these terms, we're just shouting out and projecting what side we're on and it can be more complicated than that. Yeah, sometimes you sometimes there's a bad person. Sometimes there's a producer or a, someone who's a bad person at work and they've done something really bad and they should get fired for that. So there are occasions across a spectrum where where some things are worth you know, fighting over or discussing. Now there's, you know, this, so this bachelor accountability will fight back against people that will just make TikToks saying, um, uh, you know, calling out who's Republican versus who's Democrat. I don't see a society that benefits from these types of callouts. I just don't see it. Um, and when we talk about the possible astroturfing on the subreddit community, you can understand that there is a sort of, um, uh, a scale that's being weighted down a little bit by uh, multiple accounts. So if people want to be on subreddits and if people want to be on Twitter and whatever and voice their opinions, I think that's fine. I just think it's problematic that we don't know who's saying it, not for retribution, but just to know, is this one person 
uh, or is this 20 people? You know, it's just not a fair fight. And that's why I don't engage with any of those debates with strangers online because I've done that. It's a time suck. It's very rare that anyone's opinion has changed. It's very rare that any empathy is built. People just don't like you in certain cases. And it's like, you got to just be okay with it if they think you're the bad guy. I personally think what we're doing on our channel here isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's keeping a channel of discussion open uh, when we really don't see this happening in many places amongst a divided community. And boy, sometimes I am guilty of making these conversations longer than they need to be, but I'd rather get my point out with a little redundancy than be accused of uh, feeling a certain way about things. This is speaking truth to a certain type of power, folks. And uh, we need to do a better job of leaning into having these conversations because the final product for what we want in society should be harmony, growth, understanding of others, not division. And I don't think we are close to getting there. Let me know what you guys think, though. I'd love to know your opinions. Leave a comment, rate it, review it. You can hit me up on Instagram at dneals. Uh, we only have a couple of spots left on my stand-up show with Katie Thurston. I think we uh, see 230 people at the uh, Mic Drop Comedy Club, and I think we only have about a dozen tickets left. But if you want those, you can go to my link tree. There's always a link in the description below, linktree.com slash Dave Neal. All right, folks. Well, we'll see you back here tomorrow. I've been Dave Neal. This was Bachelor Rush Hour. Bachelor Rush Hour.